picking up where we left off. A Holling Center podcast. Hosted by Michael Carroll. Welcome to Picking Up Where We Left Off. I'm Michael Carroll, Executive Director for the Holling Center for International Dialogue. The use of digital technologies in education is not a new thing. In fact, the topic regularly came up in many Holling Center higher education dialogue conferences over the last decade. Since the dawn of the internet, institutions have worked to utilize technology to deliver education outcomes. But for the most part, these online education experiences stood at the periphery of higher education, relegated in some cases to secondary extension programs or the for-profit sector. Institutional inertia resisted the full-scale deliberate adoption of online education platforms. Yet even so, the technology advanced, methodologies improved, and access to the internet increased. In 2020, a perfect storm occurred. In March of that year, the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic put campuses around the world into lockdown, postponing classes and research, while ad hoc emergency strategies took the campus online. But on the positive side, This period also saw the emergence of inexpensive teleconferencing technology and other information-sharing platforms that opened new doors to what's possible with digital learning. Some call it hybrid, some may call it blended. And as the world settles into a new normal, there's now a unique opportunity to think deliberately about the future of higher education. So to pick up where we left off on digital education, we have two experts in this growing field joining us today. Dr. Kelvin Thompson works to make online and blended learning better every day. He writes, speaks, and consults with the U.S. higher education community. He's also created a number of resources at the University of Central Florida for use by others, such as the Teaching Online Pedagogical Repository, the Faculty Seminars in Online Teaching, and the BlendKit course. He co-hosts the popular TopCast, the Teaching Online podcast. In 2020, Kelvin was selected as a fellow for the Online Learning Consortium. As executive director of UCF's Center for Distributed Learning, he assures the successful operation and strategic goal meeting of his 100-member organization. Dr. Thompson, thanks for coming on the program. Good to be here this morning. Dr. Pankaj Mittal is the Secretary General of the Association of Indian Universities, AIU, and has been the second female Secretary General of the Association in its 94 years of existence. She has been serving the higher education sector for over three decades at the University Grants Commission of India. Dr. Mittal is a Fulbright Scholar and has a PhD in Agricultural Statistics from IARI, a university in New Delhi. Dr. Mittal is the recipient of many awards and honors like the Fulbright Nehru Scholarship Grant for Educational Administrators, the President of India Award in 2017 for Digital Initiatives in Higher Education, an Honorary Doctorate from Karnataka State Women's University, and numerous other rewards for her contributions in societal development and community engagement. Dr. Mittal, thank you for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here today morning. Great. So my thanks to both of you for joining the podcast today. And what I'd like to do first is is sort of set the theme of what we're talking about. And in this world of increasing digital education, there are a lot of terms that are actively being thrown around out there as this concept is explained more or utilized more in the field. So the two terms I wanna I wanna try to differentiate if we could is hybrid learning versus blended learning. 
they're often used interchangeably outside and within institutions, but are there differences between the two? And is there any difference between these concepts in both the U.S. and in India? I've been paying attention to some trends, and um, I think certainly before the COVID-19 pandemic, one would see hybrid and blended uh, used more interchangeably, I would say. Some would argue that there were some differences, but that was sort of the minority case, right? Generally, it was like, oh, we use the term hybrid, you use the term blended, we understand that we basically mean the same thing. Since uh, the pandemic, I'm observing more separation between those terms. Some folks are using them uh, interchangeably and others seem to be gravitating toward hybrid, meaning especially a dependence on this dual channel, simultaneous broadcast of the in-classroom experience via video conference technologies. That in addition to, you know, the, the broader uh, or the more uh, historic blended uh, teaching and learning. So Dr. Vital, let's talk about the context in India. Is there differentiation between the two? Are they used interchangeably? Um, are they on the, the forefront or more on the periphery of, of higher education in India? So in India, hybrid and uh, blended, some people use it interchangeably, but then there is a subtle difference between the two. And what I understand as the difference and which we follow in India is hybrid is when two modes of learning that is virtual and face-to-face, -face, they are used on say, for example, in a program, they, if there are some courses which are in online mode and some courses are in face-to-face uh, -face mode, then it is a hybrid learning. If in a classroom, the teacher is teaching in the class at the same time, the very same class by some other set of students is being used as an online class, then it is a hybrid learning. But if in the same class the, or maybe in the same course, teacher is taking some classes in face-to-face -face method or some online resources are shared with the students or some online videos are shared with the students in a particular course for the same set of students, then it is termed as blended learning because in the same course, both the methodologies are used. But if you are using the methodology for different courses or for different set of people, then it is known as hybrid. So thank you. So the next question I'd like to, to continue with Dr. Dr. Mittal is when we were preparing for this podcast, you actually told me that India is actually setting national policy on the concept of um, hybrid digital or blended learning. So I'm wondering if you could take us through what the policy is becoming and why has this been made such a high priority in India? So India has this new education policy after about 34 years. And this is a policy which is a very, very innovative and student-centric policy. And uh, fortunately, the policy came when the COVID was also there and it took into account many of the issues which were faced by the Indian students and the faculty during the COVID. So a lot of emphasis was given on the technology. So India now is wanting to launch a digital India campaign, which will help in transforming the entire nation into a digitally empowered society and knowledge economy. So, so much of importance has been given to the digital transformation, digital resources, online resources, 
to the extent that the policy also says that we will be establishing a national technology forum or rather national educational technology forum which will be created to provide a platform for the free exchange of ideas on the use of technology to enhance learning assessment planning administration and so on both at the school and the higher education level so a special forum will be created the digital india campaign will be launched just because we want to use technology not only for teaching learning but also for research and for enhancing the student experience so i was going to save this question more for the end but i think since you brought it up about enhancing the student experience i think one of the things that's really interesting you know particularly as a genesis of the pandemic but you know something that was probably desperately needed even before was the fact that digital education is not just about you know course curriculum and and that type of thing it's also about student services it's about providing students with what they need uh, in addition to these the, the items outside the classroom the student life outside the classroom so since this is a good segue i you know maybe i'd like to talk a little bit about what's being offered to students beyond just the digital classroom but at the same time what's still needed when it comes to outside of the digital classroom that could still be provided in this hybrid or blended manner do so i think mike as you say as a pandemic response not unlike the so-called pivot to emergency ad hoc remote instruction using distance technologies and and online practices student services were trying to figure out how do you serve students who are you know wherever they are <laughs> in their apartment or their car outside of a restaurant or wherever and i think generally higher ed wide we figured out at least in the us we figured out how to do that right just like there was a lot of zooming in classrooms there was a lot of zooming in advising uh financial assistance counseling mental health counseling even uh, student organizations clubs and organizations you know i i recently responded to a questionnaire that was sent out by a professional association i think within the last month and um the question had to do with are you seeing like a continuation of practices that were instituted during the height of the pandemic are those declining or is there like continued innovation and growth what what's happening and i thought that was a very interesting question and i think it's mixed because while i think those things happened as a response uh, to the pandemic i think some contexts the waters are declining as it were right and let's get back to uh, the way things were before i think certain services and activities hey that worked great let's keep doing it my suspicion is generally speaking the waters will recede but they'll be at a higher watermark than they were before uh, that's what that's my my general uh take on it I, i hope that's helpful that's helpful and i think it's also very plausible because when i was working at a university the one force that was more powerful than any force at the university was institutional inertia um you know desire for things to go back to you know it it was always hard to push and get change momentum at a university it you know dr mital let's uh, continue along this this loop of questioning what are you seeing in terms of not only student services but also the the point that that he brought up about is it staying or is it kind of returning back to the pre-pandemic norm maybe at water at a higher level as he said and so i'd like to hear what's what's going on over there 
See, I don't think that after a pandemic or post pandemic, the things will be as as they were pre pandemic, because we are all talking of a new normal. And rather, sometimes uh, people ask that who is the best teacher for twenty uh, twenty? I say the pandemic. Why? Because it has taught us so much, especially about the use of technology. I mean, in India, we were trying to use this technology for a long time, but we were not able to do it because there was a little bit of inertia on the part of the students, teachers, university system, the entire ecosystem as a whole. But as soon as the pandemic came, the inertia was removed, and overnight, the students started learning online, and the teachers started teaching online. to the extent that when you talk of student services that apart from teaching learning what like for example i'll give you an example of what we did in association of indian universities so in the pandemic when all the students and teachers were sitting at home and the students were getting very bored because how much of online classes you can do and that too when you have just started learning online so they were getting very bored so we we started a cultural program and we named it it was in hindi kuch artistic corona means let us do something artistic but corona is rhymed with corona so kuch artistic corona and in that we ask the students to give their videos for the dance music whatever performance they want to give and they submitted their videos and those videos were sort of evaluated and some prizes were given and that was displayed so students were so happy about it similarly during the pandemic there was a lot of issue with regard to the counseling of the students because there was a mental issues were being faced by the students during the pandemic again because they were sitting alone they didn't have any teachers to guide them or the students with whom they could share the experiences so that uh, many of our universities started online counseling till that it was physical counseling but many online counseling sessions both for personal counseling as well as career counseling was started so in many ways i think the pandemic helped us to explore the technology to take care of the students in the best possible manner. So what I'm sensing here from both of you is this concept is definitely moving out of the periphery and into the institutional norms. It may not be at in totality, but it's definitely more a conscious part, you know, curricular design of um student services of how the university works with its students. So what I'd like to maybe discuss about at this point is what do we need to do to make sure that hybrid blended digital instruction at this point is less ad hoc emergency as it was during the pandemic and more deliberate in terms of course design in terms of student services now that there is maybe a half perhaps a little inertia towards the digital side of education you know what can we do to make this an even better experience um and less of we did this for an emergency So in India, when the pandemic struck and all the I told you all the universities, colleges were closed. Initially, we felt that it is almost the end of the academic session, and we may have to declare it as a zero session. But slowly, slowly, the teachers I told you started teaching online. But the biggest problem in India were two: one, there was a digital divide because India is a large country and there is a lot of diversity. There are rich university, elite university. There are very poor universities who are located in border areas, rural areas who didn't have access to anything. There were students who were having everything. I mean, required bandwidth, network, device. 
devices and even a space where they could sit. But on the other hand, there were students who didn't even have access to continuous supply of electricity. So, so much of digital divide was there, which was, which was uh, sort of hampering the experience of the students for online learning. But slowly, slowly, the government has made special efforts. The universities are making special efforts. And now we are trying to bridge that digital divide to a large extent. That was the one. Second thing, which was, uh, which we faced during the pandemic and again, which is being taken care of very effectively now is the capacity building of the teachers as well as the students to teach online and to learn online. Because the teachers, as I told you, they were not used to teaching online. They don't know how to teach online. There were not even many platforms for teaching online. So slowly, slowly platforms emerged. The teachers started learning. We ourselves partnered with some agencies like Quaspir, and we opened a platform called Quedex, where the teachers could learn how to teach online effectively. Because teaching online and teaching effectively are two different paradigms. I mean, when you have to teach effectively, you have to engage the students in a big way. So that was, these were the two issues which are now by and large being addressed. I can't say fully, but to a large extent. So when these are addressed, then hybrid as well as blended and also the availability of open education resource, the availability of e-content, which was very less initially. Now it is increasing because all over the world e-content is being prepared. There are so many online courses through many, many platforms. We have our own India's uh, MOOCs platform called Swayam. But apart from that, ADEX is there, Coursera is there, Udemy is there. So many platforms are there. So content is also not an issue. So I hope this slowly slowly this will be a experience which will be not at all difficult but it will be an enjoying experience interesting experience and the students will be wanting to learn and then when they learn through online sky is the limit they don't have to depend on a particular institution or a particular teacher sky is the limit they can learn learn from any institution any teacher just at the click of the button so the experience is going to be better day by day kelvin I think I agree with a, with a lot of that in our U.S. context as well. Three things come to mind. One is this is neither a time to go back, to rewind before the pandemic and say, oh, let's, let's do what we did then. Nor is it a time to forget the past and say, oh, here's where we are now. Let's, let's start everything from a blank slate. It's how do we uh, turn our attention to the uh, the literature, the research, the, the quality guidelines and so forth from the past, but being open-minded to the lessons of the present, the new ways, the new experiences that faculty and students have been teaching and learning for multiple years now, the two have to come together. And that may be more challenging than it sounds originally. I mean, if we're going to move forward in a quality manner, I think we have to meld our successful, intentional, design-centric past with this proliferation, digital teaching and learning experiences. That's one thing. Second thing, I think, um, you know, things like, uh, and an example of that would be things like definitions and guidelines and standards is articulating those in clear manners. Like I often say about definitions, things like blended, you know, the definition has to be broad enough to allow for innovation and variation, give you some flexibility while specific enough to guide practice, right? So we can't be all just doing 
a million different things because we'll never learn from each other. We'll never advance, right? We have to have some kind of common ground. For instance, I always say about, you know, tr- you know about blended learning, I always say it's the strategic combination of in-person and online in which the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, for instance. That's a broad definition, but it allows, it still can guide some practice and it allows some variation. Third, I think it's about preparation. It's about being intentional in exactly as Dr. Mittal said, you know, we have to uh, prepare those uh, designing and teaching these digital courses, whether they're fully online or blended. And we have to bring students along. Students don't really care about our modality definitions. They just want us to remove obstacles from their pathways so that they can learn more flexibly. But we have to, at our institutional context, help orient the students to what does it mean to learn in this context? What does blended mean? What does online mean? What are the resources you're going to need? How can we, uh, Dr. Mittal's very good point about digital divide issues, how can we overcome digital divide issues with resources? I agree with what both of you were saying on this matter. You know, there's the potential for greater access to education due to this technology, but if you can't reach the technology, that creates a huge problem. And, you know, that's been a problem, I'd say, in in both countries' contexts right now. What I would like to finish on is that one takeaway I have is that this is really an era of extraordinary opportunity in education. There's new technologies, there's new modalities. And yes, to Kelvin's point, the students don't care about the modalities so much. But, you know, student needs may differ. Researcher needs may differ. So I'd like to end with a question. Since this is an era of opportunity, where would you focus the most right now in order to make sure there isn't a digital divide or to make sure that the both in-person and online experience for someone is better? So taking some of these challenges that have been peppered out throughout the discussion, is there somewhere that you would focus your resources in the immediate term to make sure that this era of opportunity isn't a wasted one? I will try to slowly respond to that very big question, Mike, with the worry that this response will will not be sufficient to the task. But just thinking about digital teaching and learning context, and you called out students and student needs and resources, there's a concept that I hearken back to again and again in our work here at the University of Central Florida, and it's kind of a colloquial sounding concept. I often invoke the the term onlineness, right? That, you know, these 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 courses, this work, it needs to be, there needs to be onlineness. It's not online if you inadvertently put obstacles in students' paths, right? It's a this course is classified as an online course, and yet an instructor, well-meaning, asks the student to have a uh, in-person experience of some sort. I know most of my students are are within driving distance of our our campus. We can deal with the exceptions. No, right? You have to imagine if it's an online course that the student is as far away from you as you can possibly imagine, right? And work to meet their needs. That's a very crystallizing concept because it leads you to think about all the possible needs of the student and their context and how will my design of the course and of the curriculum and of the student services, how will those flow 
if I assume that the students are as far away as possible. And if I do that, then secondarily, I can encounter the, the concept of blendedness. Where does the in-person bring unique affordances to, to complement the online? So, Michael, we all agree that the future is neither face-to-face nor online. It is blended. So, everything has to be blended now that we have realized the importance of technology and blended learning. So, to enhance the learning experience in the blended mode of learning, we have to do, especially in the countries like India, which are large and uh, very diverse, we have to take care of digital divide. Not only the digital divide in terms of equipment, network, device, but but also in terms of the physical space which is available to the students because at many places even a quiet room is not available to the student like there are some household there are many students and they cannot have a quiet room to themselves so that is also important and then as i said earlier capacity building of the teachers and then in india not only the students even the regulatory agencies like university grants commission which is the primary regulator of the higher education in india they are very excited i mean every day we are getting the regulations regarding the online program, online courses, there's a new concept coming, academic bank of credit, in which the online courses can be done from different universities, and then they can be redeemed into a credit that we are talking about joint degrees with the foreign universities, dual degrees, twinning arrangements. So all these things will need technology, and they will be based on the blended learning approach. So blended learning is something which we have to promote. So we have to consciously make efforts to ensure that the learning experience in blended is very good in terms of the quality of the e-content or the e-resources which are being used and in terms of the technology which is being used for teaching learning because if the technology is not good then the then the students tend to get bored like you were talking about the attention span has now reduced to seven to ten minutes so therefore it is very important that we use the blended mode of learning effectively and of course in a cost-effective manner for the country like India and we are working on that part. Thank you. Well I'd like to thank you both for a very fascinating discussion on the future of education and thank you for providing some examples of what you see has been going on in the context of both the United States and India and it, it truly is an error I believe of opportunity in education which if done deliberately I think could uh, really open up access and create all ho- a whole sorts of new opportunities for students, for faculty, researchers, and the university systems at large. So my thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. We really enjoyed the discussions. Indeed. Thank you very much. The Holling Center for International Dialogue is a nonprofit, non-governmental organization dedicated to fostering dialogue between the United States and countries with predominantly Muslim populations around the world. In pursuit of this mission, the Holling Center convenes dialogue conferences that generate new thinking on important international issues and deepen channels of communication across opinion leaders and experts. To learn more, go to hollingcenter.org.